If you're a young company trying to figure out what exactly you want to be, yeah, start by listening. If you're an incumbent and you're deciding on what to focus on in, in Q4, look at social media, look at what your audience, what your key target audience is, what are their main problems and where can you kind of jump in and help fix them? Because that's really what you should be focusing on. Hey folks, it's Dom here from Marketing Difference. Well, here we are at the end of our short six episode mini series, looking at how marketers can help drive value in their businesses by resisting recession. Now, I hope you agree the season's worked out really well. I'm very happy with it. If you do, I'd be very grateful if you would rate or review us on your favorite podcast platform, or even just tell a few friends about it. Word of mouth is how we get the news out there. Now, today we have a favorite guest from our sister podcast, Unicorny, coming to see us again to talk about how marketers can beat the blues. Yep, today we are speaking to the amazing Duarte Garrido. The last time we met him was about eight, nine, ten months ago. He was just about to start a new job with Standard Chartered Bank. And Duarte, by the way, is a legend. Check out his old episode. It was no surprise to me at all to find that he's getting on really well at Standard Chartered, enjoying it and doing really well. So today we're going to talk to him about what you can do to be a hero at work during a recession. But before we do that, it's time for me to share some gratitude. I'd like to give a very big shout out this week to the amazing Jenna Chambers from Jenna Up on B2B, the podcast club on LinkedIn, because Jenna has selected a recent episode with Robert Norum of this very podcast to discuss at her club. You can find out more about Jenna Up on B2B by following the links on today's show notes. They're only available on marketingdifference.co.uk. Thank you, Jenna. You rock. Right, before we dive into the show. I need to let you know that we are also going to take a short break after this episode. We're going to go sun ourselves and when the production keep team comes back, we're going to kick off with a new unicorn season and God, we've got some amazing guests. I'd also like to let you know our production team is going indie. So if you like the way we record, if you want to sit in this chair and you want your own show, please contact us through marketingdifference.co.uk and we'd be delighted to talk to you. Right, that's it for today. Here is how my chat with Duarte went down. So, hey Duarte, how are you? I'm very well, Dom. How are you? Thank yeah, you for pretty well. Me. Really well, actually. Um, but you're not alone today. No, I'm not. I have my dog Bayou with me. Your furry friend. And, and what is... Bayou, Bayou's got a great tail. What, what breed is Bayou? He's a Tibetan terrier. Very cool. Yeah, which is a funny story because they're, they're actually not terriers at all. They were called terriers because they didn't know uh, <laughs> what exactly they were, but they're shepherd dogs. So. Ah, okay. Well, he's a very handsome, a very handsome chap, and we're delighted to have him in the studio. Thank you. I was just working out. It's ten months since you were last in the studio. That's true. Ten months. Yeah. And you were just changing roles at that stage. Pretty much the time where I joined uh, Standard Chartered. Yeah. Cool. How's it been? It's been very good. Yeah. Fast yeah. and furious. I yeah. Think. Yeah. A lot of work. A lot okay. of work. But um, a new challenge, a new industry. It's been fun. Good. Well, thank you very much for agreeing to come see us again. Um, we really enjoyed um, talking last time. You may know, um, well, you will, because we've already had the conversation. This is Resisting Recession. We're talking about tips, tricks, advice for people who want to use marketing to add value to their business when the markets are tough. And, you know, since I last saw you, God, the market's tightened. Yeah, they have. They, they really got, have. Yeah. They got really, we, I mean, we particularly noticed it. Although I was just saying before we came on air that we're starting to see some green shoots now. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a bit more of a pessimist, to be honest. I'm looking around and it's, uh, it's scary, scary stuff. I'm well known for my over-optimism. I think, I think 
there are various sort of structural things in the market, particularly in the US, that mean that we're probably not out of the woods yet. But we're starting to see some budgets unlock. I mean, really quite big budgets, which I'm hoping means there's a little bit more confidence in the market. Maybe that's true. Yeah, I'm I'm scared of the US mostly. Debt default kind of yeah. um, is looming over, yeah. and that's that's pretty scary. But um, you know, I'll, I'll take your word for it that the business is picking up again, and that's that's a good thing. Well, I, th- I think it is. I mean, one of the other features we've seen in the market at the moment is it's really stop start. And that, and that actually started probably in about August, September last year. So a bit of budget gets released and then everything goes on hold. And then a bit gets released, then everything goes on hold. And it's very hard. Well, it's hard for a brand to keep marketing like that because you look, you're constantly losing momentum. But it's also really hard to be a supplier to that kind of brand because you're trying to keep a resource in place to do work when there isn't any. And then suddenly the floodgates open, loads get released and you haven't got the capacity to deal with it. So stop, start is the worst of both worlds. I think if you're going to cut, like cut and just accept you're going to die. I agree. Yeah. So anyway, Duarte, and we normally start these um, interviews with a little bit about you, the company, the culture and the role and that kind of stuff. But we've already had you talk about you and how you got into marketing. So I'm not going to go over that again. If anyone wants to listen, it is in the back catalogue of Unicorny. um, And it's a really funny story. So you should go back and see how Duarte got into marketing because it's really interesting. Um, In terms of your current role, could you give us maybe just a little bit of scope of like, how it's involved, like your social media head of digital activation? Well, no, I, actually it has evolved in an interesting okay. way because what started off as a, pretty much a, a global head of social role, yeah. right, has evolved to encompass most of paid media globally, so own channels, a bit of end media as well. Yeah. And to be honest, it's now a mixture of what what really social should always be, which is a, a bit of comms and PR and marketing. Basically. And it has also evolved to a more integrating marketing role. So the, the, the official role is global head of social and omnichannel activation, right? And that basically what that means is that I'm doing a sort of brand to demand exercise within the company. And, uh, and, and it, it really kind of looks at the full customer journey and it puts a value, a kind of a dollar sign on our brand campaigns. Ah, so you're into in the realms of measurable work. Mm, hopefully. Okay, cool. Okay, well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for, for the background. Um, so we're not technically in recession. Things are tough. Like, how, how are you seeing the toughness manifest itself in the market right now? What's worrying you when you look at the markets? In terms of the industry, I can see that there's mostly fear, right? And a sort of tightening of, of, of the belt just yeah. for the sake of it, um, for cautiousness rather than for need. Um, and I think, you know, the, the layoffs that we're seeing in tech and across the, the banking industry as well, unfortunately, they're a reflection of that because it's less about, I mean, these companies, you just saw uh, LinkedIn um, uh, laid off that, like yeah, 3.6% yeah. of their workforce, and they're still... 6% profit. So it's not like these companies aren't making money. It's that they're signaling investors that they're getting their affairs in order. So it's a cautionary measure, really. So I think that's that's mostly what I'm witnessing is a certain degree of fear and a, a, a responsibility, a sense of responsibility coming back, not just to business leaders, yeah. but to marketers as well. Okay. If we were bending too much towards performance marketing before, which I think we were, now it's even worse. Now brand has become a really sort of secondary 
concern for most marketers. And I think that's a big mistake. So we're going to dig into that in yeah. just in just a minute. Um, but because you're in the sector, um, and none, I know, if I get tempted to ask you about your current business, you just bat me down with a I stick. Will. Please just bat me down. I'm really interested in kind of big picture of markets and stuff today. But but of course, the banking markets had a couple of systemic threats: SVB, mm-hmm. um, Credit Suisse, Silverline. Yep. And and First and, Republic. And so and social media has played a role in some of that. So because storms can build quite quickly on social. And and I literally heard just this morning um, that that as a result of um, Silverline in March, that a number of institutions were clamping down on their social media activity and clamping down on people's ability to spread wildfire, if you like. You know, are you seeing, as a social media expert, are you, are you seeing... Are you seeing anything in your sector? Extra caution. Yeah. Like, I don't think so. Yeah, because we, so last time we spoke, if people go back and want to have a listen, that we, we, you know, you spoke about how important it is um, to create a single document so everyone understands the tone, the subject areas they can talk about. But I don't think many organizations are that organized. No. And so, so it's, and I, there, I can't say the name of the company, but there was one very large American bank who clamped down on all of their employees and just said, no social. That's interesting. Yeah. I think I missed that. I think, it, to be honest, it, it it does come back to how you look at social media within your company, whether you look at it as just a marketing tool, sort of direct-to-consumer product or service, okay. or whether you look at it as a sort of PR and comms uh, machine as well. And my experience tells me that companies tend to look at it uh, either one way or the other. Okay. But looking at, as, looking at it as both is really crucial here. And if you look at it as really what it is, which is paid and owned media, all in one, yeah. not one, but several different platforms. Yeah. Again, social media for me is hard to comment because I think it depends on what platform we're talking about. But you should look at it as an end media opportunity as well, plus obviously an employee advocacy platform. So you do have to listen, use it to listen to not just what media are talking about, your investors talking about, so external stakeholders, but listen to your employees in it as well. Put in some very strict guidelines on how to approach social media from an employee standpoint, but give your actual social media managers a certain degree of freedom to be creative in it. So that, and that makes perfect sense. I guess anyone that's clamping down isn't in control and that's why they're stopping it. Yeah. Um, so one of the reasons I was really excited to talk to you about resisting recession in particular is that all the advice we've been getting in the series so far is about getting closer to customers. Mm-hmm. And there is no way of getting closer to customers than engaging with them or being in conversation with them on social as a channel. It's direct feedback in real time. Um, so is there any sort of specific advice you could give to marketers listening on how to embrace that aspect of community that we spoke about last time. Yeah, there is. And I think, I think you know, we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast, the fact that um, I, I heard one of your guests talk about the the four Ps and how we're focusing as a marketing function. We're, focused, we're kind of over-indexing into promotion, which is true, we have been for a long time. But I do think that marketing should start before the Ps, um, before the customer journey itself on the bit, well, well, on product development, on sort of insights, on listening to your customer 
before you develop a product or service. So I think the relationship between the company and the customer or the prospect customer needs to start before you actually decide on a business model or a product or service, right? And social media is definitely, it could be the start of that conversation. Even if you're not actively engaging, you should be there listening, doing market research. And that is the role of a marketer as well. And again, social media is a great place to start. If you're a young company trying to figure out what exactly you want to be, yeah, start by listening. But if if you're an incumbent and you're deciding on, what to focus on, you know, in, in Q4, again, look at social media, look at what your audience, what your key target audience is, what are their main problems, and where can you kind of jump in and help fix them? Because that's really what you should be focusing on. Isn't that a great point from Duarte? Like, when most people think about marketing, I think they definitely... No, they do definitely over-index on promotion. And Sally Winter talked about this a fortnight ago. She said that marketers fighting over you know product, price and place, they just need to get over themselves. And I got that and I agreed with Sally too. But, but here's a different point of view. And I also get it because the reality is like real marketing starts a lot earlier than most people realise. Because marketing isn't just about creating awareness or creating demand or that kind of buzz stuff. It's about genuinely understanding customers, understanding their needs, and working out how to build a product or service to fulfill those needs. And that means that we all, as marketers, need to be focusing much more on kind of product or service development, even if we don't own product or service marketing itself. Duarte points out, quite rightly, that listening to customers well before deciding on our business model or our product is kind of important. It's pivotal. And the relationship between a company and its customers or potential customers, therefore, needs to start earlier than you probably think. This is where the power of social media comes into play, because social isn't just a tool for promotion. Think of it as a listening post, a place you can do market research. So, whether you're a startup trying to figure out your business model, or you may be enterprise or an SME, any kind of incumbent planning your next move, social media could just be the place that you should start listening. It's going to help you understand your audience, get to grips with their problems, and it's going to help you formulate a solution. And by the way, when times are tough, like they are right now, you can probably do that pretty much for the cost of your time. So thanks for that uh, point, Duarte. Great one. Now, let's go back and talk about the long and short of it. So let's come back then. So so again, just before we came on air, um, we were talking about performance and and brand building. And, you know, the long and the short of it, it's a, it's a long debate. It's gone on, you know, and we talk about it a lot on this podcast. But you believe, and, and so in a lot of people, I was at an event this morning, where they're talking about literally 100% value create, value create, value create, demand gen, demand gen, demand gen, because they're probably looking at very short cycles. You think that's a mistake in recession? Yes, I do think that's a mistake. In a recession, if anything, people are, I go back to the word caution, right? If anything, people are becoming a bit more cautious. Uncertainty, fears for the future, maybe it's not the time to invest. You see Warren Buffett selling stocks, you get scared. You, you know, so if people aren't spending money and if companies 
are being cautious and not spending money. So this applies to B2B as much as to B2C. Uh, obviously, buying cycles different, yeah. but if people aren't spending money, then maybe a recession isn't a time for you to focus on short-term goals and performance. Maybe it's a time for you to go upper the funnel, right? And, and focus on building your brand, building those relationships, ensuring that when times get a little bit better, when people are a little bit more relaxed, when money is more plentiful, you are top of mind. So this is the time to bet on brand. This is the, the, the time to bet on relationships, not the time to start looking at short-term goals and sell, sell, sell. In my heart, 100% agree. I think, especially if you're in a privately owned business or you're in a publicly owned business, I think if you're in a private equity owned business, of course, you've got slightly different, you have a different purpose. And I didn't get to talk about this in the round table I was at this morning, but, you know, we as marketers um, talk a lot about purpose and that being our North Star and what, you know, it being more than a commercial thing. But if you're a private, private equity owned business, your purpose is to create value. And, and you might dress up a social purpose, but actually that's all you're there to do. And if their investment horizon is three to five years, then it's quite hard to secure the budgets that you need to do anything but deliver value in that timeline, because otherwise they're basically investing and someone else is going to reap the reward. So how do you, how do you reconcile the, those conflicting desires? Well, I think... I think maybe we need to go back to the definition of purpose, right? The the small P versus big P. Yeah. Yes, the big P, the social purpose, maybe I have to say that we as marketers might have oversold that a little bit. <laughs> a, little, a little bit. Just a little bit. Maybe. Maybe. But only a tiny amount. Maybe we do need to, you know, but maybe we do need to uh, have uh, Elman's mayonnaise go back to the, the purpose <laughs> of, you know, um, helping hot dogs taste better yeah. and not really saving the planet. But... But the small purpose, it should continue to be our North Star. And the small purpose is all about product and service. It's all about what are we delivering yeah. that differentiates us, right? So I don't think we need to we need to take our eyes off that at all as a function. Okay. In terms of private equity and obviously the 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 pressure, the extra pressure that they have, uh, I mean, there's many, many ways of delivering value to a company. And I would say that growth isn't the only one. There's retention, yeah. but brand building is a very real way of adding value to a company. You get, with brand building, you get stuff like um, employee uh, retention. Um, you get, um, you know, coverage that gives you, um, that increases brand equity. There's a, a whole array of ways that you can show value without focusing on short-term goals. Yeah, not least of which, of course, is if you have a trusted and respected brand, you're, you're supporting one of the other P's, price, which is the quickest value add in any business. Definitely. But that means that you as a function need to go back to being at least in touch with all the P's, right? And, and take a more kind of central role um, in the organizational structure of a company, which is what marketing should be. Yeah. So we were talking, again, we, we, we had a few words before. So, and marketing is, of course, the business. Mm -hmm. um, 
But mark people with a marketing job title don't get to do too much of that, of what we consider marketing these days. So, but but now also seems to be a good time in recession for marketers to reach out to other parts of the business and add value to the to the work, to to volunteer, maybe to get involved in some of the other areas that we are as people trained to be involved in. And that's the perfect way of putting it, to be honest, because I think it is. This is the time for us to take a step back and reinvent marketing within a company's organizational structure. And if marketing used to be all about the four Ps, now it has to, we have to kind of shift the mindset because we kind of lost that, right? Other other departments have taken some of those Ps and it's not like we're going to, you know, wage a war and get them back. Yeah. So what should marketing be now? Well, in my opinion, it should be um, um, a sort of almost an assistant function, right? It should sit at the center of a company and precisely reach out to the different departments that are in charge of the business and business growth and help. Because marketing really shouldn't completely own any of the piece, not even promotion, right? It needs to be, um, it needs to help. It needs to um, empower other departments to reach their own business objectives. That's what marketing is there for. So maybe that's how we should be looking at it from now on. I love that. That is, um, so we've got, we've got sort of org design is one, organizational design is one of my, um, my nerdy hobbies. And, and there's a big difference between people who see businesses as machines that can be structured and set up and run and there's no overlap and the cogs all mesh and those that see it as an organic body are being a living thing. And I think maybe that makes perfect sense what you just said. So, so marketing as a department that is siloed, that does all of those P things, suited a, a business environment better when, like before we had all this technology at our fingertips because it was harder, frankly, to get things done. Things couldn't be done so quickly and you couldn't collaborate quite as much, well, unless you were in literally in the same room. But, you know, you think about business even 30 years ago, in the morning you open your post, that's it. There's no email throughout the day. The telephone might ring and someone was going to probably going to pick it up for you. But now we're assaulted by messages and communication all the time. So we have to go into a more fluid and organic business. And in that, marketing is just another organ in a body. So as you say, the body is the one that that, that creates the the peas, if you like, and executes on them. And, and we're, we're, we're the heart or the liver or the kidney. However, you might like to think about it, but we're just providing a piece of the pie, not the pie. I guess with the engine, right? Um, the, the machine doesn't run without us, yeah. but we're not the machine. Yeah. Uh, so I, the marketing as an engine of growth, that's exactly f- f- what it means to me. And it, it comes down to, I guess it comes down to the, the realization that we should be touching. I mean, if you look at the at tradition at the role of a CMO, yep. it has evolved over time. And now they're called many, many things, chief brand officer, chief growth officer, whatever it is. But it's it it's wrong of us to think that the CMO can ever be responsible for PR, HR, culture, um, sales, uh, retention, acquisition, promotion. Like it, it that's just product development, business development. Yeah, yeah. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. So what should be um, the role of a CMO then? And that's precisely it. It's building a truly cross-functional team that is fitted to help every single 
bit of the business, bit like an octopus, right? Yeah. Um, and and that I think should be, this in my opinion, they should still be called chief growth officers because it is all about growth. Yeah. But it's how they f- then form their marketing team with their different heads and and the and, and building it by capabilities rather than by function. Okay, so that's amazing, amazing advice on how marketing itself may develop. What about if you're in marketing leadership right now? Do you have any like top tips that you would give to marketing leaders about how they can make a difference to their business like now? Prove value. And I think that's essential. In, in too many companies, too many big companies, I'd say probably this doesn't apply to, um, you know, small and nimble startups, yeah. Yeah. but in very big, very um, wealthy companies, I've witnessed a lot of uh, a big disconnect between marketing budgets and return on investment. The pressure just isn't there, not quite. And we still see, for example, brand budgets as brand budgets. And they're given to us at the start of the year and they go like, this is your budget, go spend it. And brand teams and marketing teams have grown not going to say lazy, I'm going to say comfortable Yeah. with, okay, maybe we'll even uh, finish the year below budget and that's our win. That's our value add. That's not value add. Not spending money is yeah, not a win. <laughs> not spending money is not a win. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's better than overspending, but you need to put your, you know, your business hat on and, and get, get a brand to demand uh, integrated marketing strategy in everything you do. And maybe, and this is a controversial thing, I'm just going to throw it out there. Maybe it's time to pause the always on approach. Maybe it's time to go back to campaigns. And the way, the, the reason why I'm saying this is that campaigns during a recession, if you do them well, if you do them contained, you can actually track via brand uplift, whatever it is, you can track the value of brand to demand, right? Yep. And you can do them in little pushes and you can go back to your senior leadership, leadership team and say, yes, we ran this in this time period. This was the value add for the business, the exact value add for the business, yep. right? And I think that might be a safer way to spend budgets because it actually gives, it puts a dollar sign uh, on your return. Yep rather than an always-on approach, which is sometimes, it has become at least um, very difficult to track the value of. Yeah. Um, and at least on direct attribution. There's indirect attribution models, surveys, you know, yeah. self-reported attribution, all of that. That's very, you know, that's, it works. Uh, and, and if you look at things like dark social, that's really the only way to get um, a, an attribution value to what you're doing, but that's all for always on. So maybe you pause always on. Maybe this time you you you, you save that money for um, time restricted pushes, campaigns, and you track them and you show the value of them and you move on to the next one. Duarte, thank you very much indeed. That's been blisteringly fast paced, uh, but uh, thank you very much indeed for coming to see us. As always, thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. That was the amazing Duarte Garrido from Standard Chartered Bank. He's such a great guest. Wasn't that a great chat? Um, Now, in keeping with my 
more recent podcasts, I'm not going to drone on and on about what he said because you've literally just listened to it. But if you do want a nifty summary of the key points or you'd like bullet point key takeaways from today, you can do that by going to marketingdifference.co.uk. We do put some on the other show notes, but the full show notes are always on that website. So that's it. Thank you very much for listening to the series. By the way, if you fancy hitting the studio yourself, why not take a listen to the six episodes we recorded in this mini season so far? Pitch me your recipe for thriving as the green shoots turn to opportunity. Hopefully we're powering out of recession. You can do that by uh, recording uh, a message on marketingdifference.co.uk on the right-hand side of the screen. Now, next time you see me, I would have been on a teetotal, caffeine-free, vegan, juice-only retreat. Mm, I'm nervous, but I hope to catch some sun and I hope to see you soon. Thank you very much for tuning into the series. Catch you when we get back.